In nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. We pray this morning for the intercession of Mary, our mother, during this, her month of May, that the Theotokos, God-bearer, the mediatrix of God's grace, will focus that grace on our hearts and minds as we explore God's word and try to incorporate those words into our lives. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Pax Christi. Christus resurrexit. Resurrexit vere. Alleluia. Alleluia. Pray that everyone's had a, a blessed Easter season so far. We're on the sixth Sunday of Easter. Easter is so important to us that we celebrate it for six, seven, even eight weeks. We're on the sixth Sunday of Easter, and we'll soon celebrate Christ's ascension into heaven. From a personal perspective, <clears throat> I can't believe that we're in, at the end of May. I'm sitting here looking at graduates. I feel like my life is flashing before my eyes. Uh, kids got out of school on Friday. I will have a senior in high school next year, as well as another kid going to high school, junior high, intermediate, and a, another kindergartner, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, <laughs> next year is going to be rough. I'm, gonna, I, I'm probably going to have to take a week off of work to go to all the different banquets and stuff. Thankfully, we belong to a timeless church. So even though time flies from our perspectives, our church is well-versed in the human condition and well-versed in the story of our lives. She's a timeless church. And in the readings today, we see the very beginnings of Mother Church. We see how she's starting to organize and come together. In Acts, we hear from Paul invokes the Holy Spirit and us, us meaning the first church fathers, when it comes to a decision about how they should practice their faith. Namely, whether they should abstain from certain types of meat and how they should enter into marriage. And then in the gospel, we hear Jesus tell the apostles, I've told you this while I'm with you, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Here we see that the church is continually inspired by the Spirit. That she is indeed the living body of Christ on our, on, here on earth. And it is important to recognize that movement of the Spirit in our church, in spite of the people who make up the church. Many have recognized throughout the, uh, the, throughout the centuries, including one of my favorites, uh, Hilaire Belloc, who's quoted as saying that the Catholic Church is an institution run with such knavish imbecility that if it not were the work of the Spirit, it would not have lasted a fortnight. <laughs> That's why it's my favorite quote. One of my favorites. That means the church subsists and continues despite the flawed men who line its clerical ranks. Father Angelo excluded, myself included, however. <laughs> okay, he said he's not excluded. <laughs> Thankfully, most, I would say, vast majority of clerics are men who are committed to truth and virtue, and we try very hard to get ourselves and our families and our friends into heaven. And that brings us to the other part of the gospel, the part that's often misquoted and misused. Jesus says to his disciples, whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. We hear in this day and age such things as, who am I to judge? Don't judge. Don't judge me. Jesus didn't judge anyone. We're all God's children. Etc., etc., etc. These sayings are not a validation of behavior. Although the secular world and even some Christians use them that way. Whoever loves me will keep my word. 
Whoever loves me will keep my word. What is the word of Jesus Christ? We find the answer in Luke 10, 27, which tells us, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So what is loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind look like? What does loving your neighbor look like? How do we accomplish this so that we know that we love Jesus Christ? Thankfully, the church and her infinite wisdom guides us. My favorites are the Beatitudes, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And I figured it would be a good time to remind ourselves of what the corporal and spiritual works of mercy are. To feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to harbor the harborless, to visit the sick, to ransom the captive, to bury the dead, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish sinners, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive offenses willingly, to comfort the afflicted, and to pray for the living and the dead. Most of these are self-explanatory, but I wanted to pick out a couple of them that are relevant to the gospel today, namely to instruct the ignorant and to admonish sinners. Admonishment means that you lovingly but firmly encourage somebody You encourage your neighbor to stop sinning and to get right. That's admonish the sinner. You encourage somebody to stop sinning or obstinately living in sin. So back to the whole don't judge business. These two spiritual works of mercy absolutely fly in the face of that idea. We as Christians must be performing these various works in order to keep Jesus' word, in order to prove that we love Jesus. Therefore, when we see something that's amoral, a behavior that's harmful in someone, we're required to instruct them if they're ignorant as to the damage that could cause in their lives. And we are required to admonish them to go and sin no more. Go and sin no more comes right out of John 8.11. That's admonishing the sinner, encouraging people to stop living in sin. We don't condemn people. Because Christ himself didn't condemn people. But we also do not justify or rationalize or support people who obstinately live in sin. That's a really tough thing to do. I think it's been a tough thing for probably 2,000 years, which is why Christians got killed all the time. And it's really tough today as well. There's so many opportunities to instruct and admonish that it can get absolutely exhausting. And it's absolutely not a way to make friends. I think I have some former friends up here. (laughs) So what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, we can make sure our own spiritual house is in order. We can go to confession before we receive communion if we're in a state of mortal sin. Mortal sin means something that we know is bad, grave, something we know is wrong, and we choose to do it anyway. That's mortal sin. We can make sure that we're fasting on occasion. We can make sure that we abstain from meat every Friday, not just Fridays in Lent. The reason why we do that, it's a penance for our sins and the sins of the world. We can make sure that we're praying on a daily basis, before meals, in the morning, the Angelus at noon, before bed. 
number of practical things that we can do to make sure our own spiritual house is in order. And I want to leave you all today with a quote from a plea from St. Justin Martyr. He wrote this around 153 AD. This is, this is why I love the Catholic Church so much. 153 AD, and listen to who he addresses this. To Emperor Titus Aelius Adrianus Antonius Pius Augustus Caesar, and to his son Verissimus the philosopher, and to Lucius the philosopher, the natural son of Caesar, and the adopted son of Pius, a lover of learning, and to the sacred senate with the whole people of the Romans. 1900 years ago. And then St. Justin Martyr writes about us Christians who at the time were being persecuted by Rome, by this emperor Titus. And more than all other men are we your helpers and allies in promoting peace. Seeing that we hold this view that it is alike impossible for the wicked, the covetous, the conspirator, and for the virtuous to escape the notice of God. And that each man goes to everlasting punishment or salvation according to the value of his actions. For if all men knew this, no one would choose wickedness even for a little, knowing that he goes to the everlasting punishment of fire, but would by all means restrain himself and adorn himself with virtue that he might obtain the good gifts of God and escape the punishments. 1900 years ago, Judge Martyr wrote this, and it's absolutely still relevant right now, today, at this moment. And that gives testament to the truth that each and every one of us here today believes that the church is guided by the Spirit and is the living body of Christ. And it compels and impels people to turn from sin and live virtuously so that they may know God, love God, and serve God in this world and be happy with him forever in the next. Amen.